As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Greetings and welcome back to One True Pod, the Athletics Big 12 football podcast. I'm Jason Kersey. He's Max Olson. It is National Signing Day and it is Big 12 Championship Week. A lot to talk about, Max, but uh, how you doing, buddy? I'm just buddy? pounding the caffeine, man. It's a, it's a week. I've had it's one Red week. Bull. I'm about to crack open my second, I think. Oh, Red so. Bull? Oh, yeah. Regular oh, yeah. or sugar-free? Sugar-free. Sugar-free. The, the Red one Bull with- guy. The the uh, you know the fully leaded one uh, gives me stomach aches. I, I I can't do the I can't do the the full sugar one. Um, but anyway, <laughs> fully leaded that sounds awful. <laughs> Why? Oh, I just I just I just think about how that'd make you feel in your gut. Not I look I yeah. I drink plenty of uh, I drink more than my I more soda than I should and uh, yeah you know there's there's some of those I'll drink. I used to drink Amp more among those kind of things. Which is just is like a, Mountain Dew a jacked up Mountain Dew. It's it's not. Yeah. It's it's kind of gross, but yeah. You know we gotta we gotta get through here. You know. Yeah, yeah, we do. It's a busy December's day. nuts. A, yeah, and today especially is nuts. National Signing Day. Um, we'll start with Oklahoma, the the number seventh ranked class right now according to twenty four seven composite. That's up, I, I think, three spots from what they were yesterday uh, because of a new addition. They only signed sixteen guys though. Um, I, I think they may add some more. Yeah, they're not done for sure, and and that's you know, just right off the uh, you know on paper, obviously the the offensive talent they brought in is is sick as usual. That's a Lincoln Riley class for sure. Um, you've you've written a bunch about kind of how this class came together, Jason, and obviously for all of these staffs, uh, unique thing to not be able to send your coaches on the road, not be able to you know have official visits or unofficial visits. Although you know Oklahoma certainly found a way to get some recruits right. on their campus this year. Um, you know, what do, what do you think of that, that class that they put together and, you know, certainly the best in the big 12. Yeah, it's uh it's a really interesting class because, um, 
yeah, so much of it came down to Caleb Williams, the five-star quarterback. And I, I don't think it's uncommon at all that a quarterback becomes sort of the de facto leader of a class. We've, we see that all around the country. Uh, that that person sort of becomes the the chief recruiter of other kids and, and really wants people to join them. But this has been very, very different. Obviously, there's a pandemic going on and uh, the coaches can't go visit kids. Kids can't visit campuses. Uh, but Caleb Williams sort of took it upon himself to, to become the big cheerleader, the big recruiter of this class, um, not only trying to bring people along with him, which he's done several, he's done a lot of that, but also, you know, the kids from Washington, D.C., his football season gets canceled. So what did him and his family do? They just moved to Norman. <laughs> I mean, crazy. Uh, yeah. they just moved to Norman. But even before they did that, um, they, they hosted this Sooner Summit uh, in August uh, where they brought in a bunch of of top recruits that some committed, some not committed uh, to try to show them around the campus. It was a really weird thing. I actually had the chance to go down there and, and spend a little time with them during that in August. And uh, it was very strange. They could go on the campus, but Lincoln Riley could not acknowledge them. He they couldn't, couldn't even go in the stadium, the- right? Yeah. I think they may, the stadium is typically open to the public. I think they okay. went in the stadium, but anyone can yeah. for the most part, but also maybe it's possible that they just left the lock. Uh, off of it uh, at that point but (laughs) but 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 anyway so they so they do all of that um but lincoln riley can't even talk to them while they're on campus they did a facetime with lincoln riley from the hotel because they couldn't do that while they were on campus it's a very weird uh weird year but um well and 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 obviously you mentioned the the ringleader there i mean how many coaches other than lincoln riley in the country can lose Brock Vandegriff and just replace right. him with the number one quarterback in the country. Right. I mean, just right. a incredible pull there with uh, Caleb Williams. And I think that's the thing that makes it all more interesting is that this is a kid who was, who was kind of their second choice. in in some ways, when you think about it, they, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I should say they took Vandegriff really early. So that they was took him really know. early. They did take yeah. him really early, but still they were able to rebound after he decommitted and not have to settle for someone way down their list. They just <laughs> no. went to Caleb Williams. They did and not, not only, not only did it work, he became this guy, this magnetic guy who has brought so many people along with him. Jaleel Farouk, a really highly rated receiver from Maryland, probably doesn't come to Oklahoma if not for Caleb Williams. Kelvin Gilliam, kid from Virginia, defensive end, really highly ranked defensive end. He may not come to Oklahoma if not for Caleb Williams. Um, Savion Bird, who committed, sure, who signed certainly. today, um, is from Dallas. Big get for Oklahoma is, to beat out SMU for him, yeah. Yeah, he he really liked SMU. He was there for that Sooner Summit. Maybe he doesn't come to Oklahoma without Caleb Williams. So it's really uh, unprecedented. I don't think we'll have many pandemic recruiting classes again in the future. At least, God, I hope we don't. God, I hope not. Uh, But but, uh, it will be interesting to see if Caleb Williams in some ways becomes a model for other kids to, to just sort of take the lead, jump out like that. And do that because it was it was unprecedented. Yeah, certainly. I, th- I think two other things with that class. One, obviously, um, you know, more, you know, loading up on more athletic defenders to play, you know, in Alex Grinch's defense, and and they're they're going to find some some kind of freaky talented kids that can be pretty versatile. And then the other thing with Caleb Williams, obviously, in the way things are these days, um, you know, it makes you wonder. Okay, does Spencer Rattler have? one more season in Norman before he goes pro? Does he have two? You know, what's the move here? Because guys like Caleb Williams, uh, you know, go places they know who's ahead of them, but they still expect to to play right away. So it's going to be uh, it's gonna be interesting to see sort of how that shakes out. I, I wrote all about this last year where 
you know, when you talk, when you sign a top 50 quarterback, um, I went and looked at what are the odds you actually keep them, right? That they stay for four or five years and start and all that. And uh, you go look at the classes of 2014 through 2018, a group of 250 passers, uh, like 32% of them stayed and didn't didn't transfer, didn't change positions, didn't retire. Like it's it's a the hit rate's pretty low because guys guys want to play somewhere. They want to start and even if they do get to start at some point, they may still grad transfer at some point. So how how Lincoln Riley juggles yeah. that, uh, you know, certainly yeah. he, he handled having Baker and Kyler at the same time. So I'm sure he can find some way to make it work, right? But um, and that's going to be an interesting uh, dilemma here. Well, yeah, and especially when when these kids see Trevor Lawrence, you know, go to go to Clemson and and start, you know, take a job from a from a guy who had started immediately. You see, right. uh, uh, Jake Fromm did it to Jacob Eason. I mean, it it, yep. it happens. These kids are a lot less patient maybe than they used to. be. I mean, I Justin mean, Fields knew of the situation at Georgia, and he still left Georgia after one year. You know, so right. you gotta right. you gotta play it right because those you know when you lose a, a Justin Fields type, and I think. Uh, you know, certainly Caleb Williams is regarded as that level of prospect as a passer. Um, you lose one of those guys that we've seen with Georgia it can set you back a couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. So no, he's, he's handled that stuff uh, really well. Uh, and, and yeah, Caleb Williams sort of becoming the, the leader of that class. It's completely fascinating. I, I really do want to know what this class might look like if they didn't have him. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's a, it's a great job by Oklahoma. Um, and, and they're de- definitely not done when you look at, you know, Kamar Wheaton and, and Tristan Lee and, right. and Bryce Foster and the guys that they're still in the mix for. Not right. saying they're going to get all those guys, but um, they've certainly put themselves in a great position. You know, Texas is the number two class in the Big 12. Uh, we're used to seeing top 10 classes from Tom Herman. This was not one of them. Um, they're, they're 17th right now. They held on to Jatavian Sanders, which is a big, big deal. Um, and, and Tom Herman said today, they're going to let him play. This, this guy could be one of your favorite players, Jason. They're going to let this guy play both ways. He's a pass rusher and a tight end. Love it, love it. <laughs> and have you seen like his 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 big uh, his big catch a week or two ago was on Sports Center and all that. He's he's a freaky dude. They held on to him. They added a grad transfer and Darian Dunn from McNeese to to compete right away at corner. They added another three star today. Um, you know, just a tough position for Texas. I, I not just because of you know the outside noise and all that, but just because coaching staff couldn't go on the road and you got seven new coaches and. They can't even go meet these kids in person. So Tom Herman said there's some of these guys they're signing, he won't meet until they enroll. It's just a really, really unique year. And 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 I think the the problems for Texas in terms of competing for, you know, not being ready to c- compete for a Big 12 title and a CFP and all that made them lose out on uh, some real high-level guys in this cycle. Yeah, I mean, we we saw, you know, Quinn Ewers go, uh, ends up going to Ohio State. You have Billy Bowman, class. a kid yeah. who, who uh, yeah, for next year's class. Right. Uh, you have Billy Bowman, a kid who uh, was committed to them for a while, ends up coming to Oklahoma. I mean, it, it's rough. And then, I mean, geez, just, just the other day we see rumors on Feinbaum that he was calling South Carolina ab- about their job. I mean, this Tom Herman thing is just is, is so Yeah, difficult. I mean, Michelle I, Herman I shot that down right away. She um, did. But still, the fact that that stuff's even out there has to just drive him crazy. I mean, how do you recruit when that kind of stuff is getting said? Yeah, we'll talk about the Tom Herman situation. Certainly, things have changed a bit since our last podcast. Right. Um, but yeah, it's really, you know, he's kind of He's kind of kneecapped right now in recruiting a little bit. In the class they signed here is a little bit similar to the transition class they signed when they first got there. When you know they got there uh, with only one month till signing day, and so it's hard to go win the battles for guys like J.K. Dobbins and Marvin Wilson and 
um, you know, Walker Little and Caleb on Chasen. And so those those sort of elite guys that help you get to a playoff, you know, weren't, weren't interested in going to Texas. And now Texas has got to get back to a position where those guys want to be in Austin, you know. So it's an interesting class for them. I think they, you know, he said it's an OKG kind of class. A lot of guys that they really believe are their kind of guys. But um, we'll see how that shakes out. I, I'll, I'll, I'll go through the rest of the Big 12 here real quick. Um, Oklahoma State's at 35th right now. Pretty pretty standard Mike Gundy class, heavy on Texas, heavy on Oklahoma. Uh, only a couple four stars, but that's a staff that that certainly trusts their evals and, and isn't going to be too hung up on that. West Virginia at 37, I think, is um, pretty impressive. Don't don't sleep on this staff. Like they, you know, they won with uh, you know the number one recruit in West Virginia, a, a guy who's uh, offensive lineman who's who's nearly a top 100 player. Um, you know they these guys know how to recruit and and, and evaluate and, and and recruit all over the country. So uh, good job by them. Baylor at 41st with a, with a class that looks a lot like kind of the Matt Rule classes. A lot of great athletes throughout the state of Texas. Uh, Iowa State at 51, which is an extremely Matt Campbell class full of Midwestern kids. He he's even with the success, I don't think he cares to recruit at an even higher level than that. He knows uh, what kind of players fit their program. Um, Kansas State's at 52 right now. Uh, our, our colleague Ari Wasserman wrote about Jake Rubley, the quarterback from Colorado, highest-rated signee since 07. Uh, so be sure to read that. Um, that's a big, big deal for them. Kansas at 55. Kansas is not recruiting um, like the worst program in the Big 12 right now. So I think that helps. It's a solid class. I still don't get why they're not recruiting any transfers or any junior college players. I think that's a stance that that makes you worse. But hey, they, I. I We'll see how that plays out for less miles. Uh, TCU's moved up quite a bit today from signing a bunch of four stars. Uh, they're now at 56. Um, signed some good ones today. Um, and then Texas Tech at 75, small class. Uh, certainly a, a, a staff that likes to add a lot of transfers in the in the spring and summer. So I'm sure they save room. And then they held on to Baron Morton, uh, their their four star quarterback. Who's that's a big deal, uh, mm. given that um, you know what went on this week in in Lubbock, where they uh, you know just fired the OC David Yost. So keeping yeah. him on board was was a big deal. I was actually kind of surprised by that that that, that he went ahead and signed today uh, after what he had tweeted and put out there the other day upon the David Yost firing. I was really <laughs> Yeah, it's I was tough like, for these okay, kids that get, are kind get, of planning to enroll early, right? Like, yeah. how, how much do you screw up all your plans that, just because you don't know true. what to do, you know? That's true. But it was still, I think, a big win and a good job by Matt Wells to hang on to him. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, so that probably transitions us to uh, the week that was here. Um, <laughs> uh, 
certainly let's start with Texas Tech since we're there. Um, yeah, there was just, you know, I think the way we talked about it last week on the podcast, I think we were all sort of kind of, we were both kind of stumbling around on this topic cause we don't really know what to say, but clearly things are not great in Lubbock. There there's, uh, was sort of a, a lot of uh, several days of talks in Lubbock between Kirby Hoka and Matt Wells about how to move forward for 2021. Um, their president, Lauren Skuvenek got involved in that too. And ultimately they decided to keep Matt Wells and, uh, he, he fired, uh, David Yost right away and we'll see if there's more staff changes on the horizon. What did you think of, uh, that decision by Texas tech after, you know, two, four win seasons for Wells? Yeah. Um, I, I, I gotta be honest. I never could have imagined that Texas tech would be in this position after two, after just two years with yeah. Matt Wells. I mean, I, I really liked that hire when they made it. I, I will also admit that I didn't really think they should have fired Cliff. I, I, I sort of, would have liked to have seen them give him another year, but mm-hmm. um, he's he's such a good coach um, and uh, had done such a good job at Utah State. I, I can't believe that they're they found themselves in this position. And this year, I mean, they were not that far off from winning a couple of more games. So I, yeah. I I guess all that talk surprised me a little bit, honestly. I mean, what do you think it it was that 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 you know caused that? I mean, is it just the not winning? Well, it's yeah, and you you've got some clearly some um, you know some boosters that have some sway who one of them even tweeted like Matt Wells needs to go. Like, I mean, there's, there's some frustration there from people who, um, you know, have, have pretty important wallets and all of this. And so that leads to that conversation. Maybe those are people who, you know, wanted to hire to be somebody else last time. And so this is kind of their chance to, um, try and make a move, but it's a tough, it's a tough deal. I, I don't know if you're Texas tech, what, what that hire would have been that, that, um, is worth, you know, parting ways with Matt Wells, uh, whose buyout is uh, $9.1 million at this point. Um, you know, who's it going to be that's going to get Texas Tech flipped into a team that's winning eight, nine games in the next two years? I, I, I it's This is kind of where we're at in college football, right? It's just you got to have a little bit more patience than that. I just think the in-game decisions this season, we've talked about it much on this podcast, I think that probably leads to a lot of frustration from folks that, you know, hey, we're, we're screwing up uh, our chances here in close games. Yeah, now that that all makes sense. That all makes sense. But I, I still believe that he can he can get to that point. I do I do believe that Matt Wells can do that. Um, but uh, I think he probably feels a lot of pressure now. Um, and again, good good for him keeping his quarterback. Well, and you got to keep in mind that you know, not I'm not trying to belittle Red Raider football at all or anything. It's just it's a hard it's a hard deal there where um, you know Mike Leach has a few really really. Um, high achieving seasons at Texas Tech and kind of set a standard that uh, not many coaches before or since have, have kind of met, right? So it's you want Texas Tech to be a program that can go win eight, nine, ten games um, in a season when they've got a ton of seniors and all that. But it's just been really hard to get back to that standard. And, uh, and, and even when you have the best quarterback in the world on your team, it's hard to get there, you know? Yeah, man. That, that is a good point. That's a good point. The other coach, we've already sort of touched on it, but but there was, you know, uh, I, I guess, a, you know, a little more conversation about Tom Herman. There was a very vague statement issued. I feel like if your statement that you issue to say that your coach is coming back requires clarification afterwards, that's probably not great. Yeah, I when when Chris Delcani put out the message that, um, you know, Tom Herman is our coach. Um, 
I I tweeted that it was a vote of confidence, but then as I as I read it more and more and more, I was like, this is not this is not really a vote of confidence. This is there could have been a lot more confidence expressed in this this statement. Right. Um, you know, it's one of those where it's like we want to express that we do support and we also don't support Tom Herman. I mean, that's what it read like to me. I mean, and, and so uh, that has to be incredibly frustrating if you're Tom Herman and they just tried to you know make a play to replace you and uh, and now you're moving forward. And you, I'm sure you want to feel supported, right? I mean, you need it for recruiting, you need it for morale and all of that. Um, so instead, it's still still pretty uneasy. Um, Tom Herman was asked about it today uh, at his signing day press conference and, and just didn't want to go there. Just said, today's about the players, it's not about me. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I, I, I think that just makes for it just kind of makes for kind of a miserable 2021 if they don't really like do something about this. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. How would you, how would you, I, we joked about this with Brian. I mean, but like, how would you handle this if you were Tom Herman? Uh, I don't know. I, 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 I think the only now you, thing you, now you run a little is, hot, so I don't think uh, you might not handle it. Well, I imagine if you were, if you're in Tom Herman, that's shoes fair. Here. That, that's fair. But uh, I think <laughs> <laughs> that's very fair. Uh, but no, I, I think the only thing you can do if you're Tom Herman is keep your head down and just try to do your job. But when when all these external forces are, are around and you've got all the boosters who are probably angry, you've got uh, just a million things going on, and and you're already sort of the subject of all this, you know, gossip. And I don't know. He's just sort of again. I mentioned the Feinbaum thing earlier. I mean, there's a reporter in in on the East coast that goes on Feinbaum and says that Tom Herman was calling Ray Tanner asking for that job. Um, I don't believe that that's true, but uh, the fact that that stuff is even being said about him, is just oh, only Tom Herman. And I, f- I feel bad for the guy. I actually feel bad for the guy um, because, because, you know, when I read that statement from Chris Delcani, I, I had clicked quote tweet and I was typing uh, Texas coach Tom Herman will return in 2021. Then I read the statement again. I was like, actually, like, it oh, it doesn't say that. Say that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I know. And, so. and, you know, I, I taught myself and Andy Staples and others read that and are sort of like, maybe they're giving them, leaving themselves some outs in case they want to make a change after signing day, after a bowl game or whatever. So I, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I think it's, you know, Chris O'Connor then clarified to the Statesman and others that the Tom Herman is returning for 2021. So I, I don't, I don't know how you, how you, because it's hard to like, you know, it, it, it's easy for a frustrated fan to say, okay, well, look, Texas has to win big in 2021 or else this, you know, I'm fed up. It's over. Right. Well, when everyone's not rowing in the same direction, uh, in the months ahead here, it just makes it so much more difficult. You know I mean? That's certainly, you wouldn't say that about Oklahoma, um, or Iowa State or a lot of these programs that are having a lot of success in the Big 12, right? I mean, there's no question about the alignment going on there. So uh, Texas, obviously, it's so important. And right now when you got people working against you, uh, potentially, um, it just makes the job uh, a lot tougher and it's just a lot tougher to be successful. Yeah, and, and I mean, I've said on this podcast before, I, I think that he should be brought back for next year. I don't – this was a weird year for everyone, but especially – a school with seven new assistant coaches and two new coordinators. It's just, I don't see how it's possibly fair to fire a guy after a year like that when when his assistants didn't get the chance that they normally would to, to integrate with those players. And you still only lost three games and, and you were in, you know, you, you were in all three of them. I mean, it's, yep. it's just a little bit, 
I, I think that's just a little much. And I also think that people who want Tom Herman gone need to remember things can get a lot worse. So, and you, you know, the other thing that's tough there, Jason is like, you got to also have realistic expectations. Like they're losing all these NFL players. They're losing Sam Ellinger, right? They're four year starter. Um, you think you're, you know, most likely I think probably starting a retro freshman and quarterback. Um, and we saw how Oklahoma, Oklahoma had to sort of figure that out early in the season. Right. So like, is 2021 – it's not going to be a rebuilding year, but it's going to be tough year too, right, with all the players they've lost. So uh, it's hard to tell Texas fans to be patient and have realistic expectations, uh, but that's part of why, we're, why we've reached this point, I suppose. Yeah, and it's almost like if you're Tom Herman, coming back to all of that, knowing it might be a rough year, it's like, geez, almost just get it over with. At that point. Well, or or just you know, don't don't make big promises in 21. Oh, yeah. this is going to be the year we go win it all, right? Like you got to you got to temper expectations here a little bit, I suppose, in coming back. But I, look, it's going to be a fascinating dilemma throughout the offseason. They're going to be once again one of the teams that get talked about the most in terms of all the palace intrigue there and and what comes next. Yeah. Um, well, Max, let's let's go. We, we obviously there's a uh, we've talked spent all this time talking about recruiting. There's a Big Twelve championship game. There's a weekend. significant football uh, game this weekend. Yeah, in this conference to help us preview this game, we're going to start with uh, our interview with Randy Peterson of the Des Moines Register, uh, who can kind of give us uh, an idea of what things are like right now in in Iowa as, as Iowa State prepares to play for its first Big Twelve championship. And we'll come back on the other side and talk about it more. Now, happy to be joined on One True Pod by Randy Peterson of the Des Moines Register. Uh, help us preview the Big 12 championship game this weekend. Randy, thanks so much for joining us. How are you? Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Max. It's always great to to be with you guys, to catch up with you guys, because, you know, during this pandemic, we don't get to see each other that often, except on Zooms. I know. And uh, um, Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I haven't seen, and you guys know this, I've not seen, I've not talked to an Iowa State football player in person since last football season. I've not talked to yeah. Matt Campbell in person since the last football season. Um, not talked to a basketball player since the um, Big 12 basketball season was banged. So, yeah, so it's, it's, it's really strange. I are really you, don't are you even... a pro at Zoom at this point, or have you had any blunders so far? I haven't. I don't think there's been any blunders. I'm, um, it's good. That, that I know of. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think I swore when I wasn't supposed to um, or anything <laughs> like that, but, uh, uh, which could happen. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's been fine. It's just, and, and as you guys know, there's no, and, and Max, you've been on the, some of the Iowa State stuff. There's no, it's, it's, it's very impersonal. There's mm-hmm. nothing personal. It's, it's tough to look into somebody's eyes. It's tough to read body language. And, and certainly it's tough to, um, you know, to ask, ask a question and say everybody else, well, I'm not going to write this for another week or so down the road. So please don't use it. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to build relationships this way with yeah. one question once a week, you know, but yeah. So, but anyway, making the best of it. Yeah. yeah. I, and you know, hopefully the, it all changes. Yeah. Randy, what was your first year at the register? I started in 1972 and it's the only place I've worked. It is a, it's yeah. And so I, I, I wanted to get, I want to get 50 years in at the same place. And that was, that was my, you know, a while back, that was my, that was my goal was to get 50, 50 years in. And so um, I guess I'm closing in on that, but yeah, you, you never so. know the way newspapers are, are going and, and, um, and saying, thank you for your service and, and here's your severance and, and things like that. But I survived some of those. So a lot of all of those. All so, those yeah, yeah. Yeah. Knock on wood that, 
that uh, no, I still I still feel good. I, I I still feel good. My wife died four years ago, and and I thought about taking early retirement, but my daughter said no. You're not going to. My daughters said no. You're not taking early retirement. You, um, what would you do? You go stir crazy. And I said, yeah, you're right. I was hoping you'd say that. So yeah, it's all it's all good. Well, the the the, the Big Twelve media wouldn't be the same. Wouldn't be the same without you, Randy. We hope you <laughs> you stick around for a long time. <laughs> really, uh, yeah. You know, and, and speaking of that, you know. We've seen hope for Iowa State so many times through the years. I think about Seneca Wallace and Paul Rhodes' big speeches after these upsets. You always thought maybe they were going to take that next step, and now they've sort of finally done it. Um, so what, in your view, has Matt Campbell done differently that, that's allowed them to get to this point? That's a good question. He, what he's done is he's recruited better, number one. Um, and I, I talked to I talked to Dan McCarney just the other day. You guys know Mac. I talked mm-hmm. to Mac the other day, and he's he's lives in Sarasota, and he's going to the game. By the way, uh, he's flying to the game. That's awesome. Um, That's cool. And I talked to Mac Mac the other day about this, and he reminded me that in two thousand and four and two thousand and five, Iowa State was a missed field goal in overtime from going to, from playing in the championship game back when they were divisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that they've been close, but, but I asked Mac the same question that you asked me, Jace. And, and Mac said that, that, um, there's, there's a lot more money in the program right now. It's, it's a, almost a destination spot. The, the, the facilities that have been built and the eight, $70 million facility that, that is near completion now even. Um, so, but beyond that, Matt Campbell's recruited better players. He's had his staff has been, um, fairly, um, fairly consistent. He brought a staff with him from Toledo and he got, he, they knew how to work together. And that was key. That was key. But, but guys, his first year at Iowa State, his first recruiting class, oh, what did he have to sell? Well, let's see the 2015 team went, went three and nine, but I guarantee you we're going to try hard and, and improve on that. And he, he had people buy into it. They've, rec- you know, steadily recruited good players and better players. And he's a coach's guy. He's, he's very much like McCarney was. He's a coach's guy. He knows, he's, he knows, each, he knows that each player has a different button. Oftentimes you hear coaches say, well, I don't treat anybody differently. Well, that's not Campbell. Everybody's got a different button. So, and he, and he knows that button. And so, you know, all those things put together. And, of course, it helps to have Brees Hall and, and Brock Purdy and Mike Rose and some of those guys also, Charlie Kohler, too. Absolutely. What, what were you thinking, Randy, um, when they lose to Louisiana to start this off? And your, this special season seems like, oh, okay, maybe not. Maybe this is not the year. Yeah, I was, I was, I was taken aback by that, actually. Um, I mean, I thought Iowa State would roll in that game, knowing that Louisiana was still pretty good. But I also knew that Iowa State was was good, also. But as it as it turns out, what I what I've gone on to learn, and what what Matt has said a few times on on the zooms, is that it has reiterated on the zooms is that Iowa State took such precaution during the off during the the, the fall. Of keeping the crud out of the out of the program that they I, that I swear they did not practice eleven on eleven until the week of that game, until the week of the first game. They practice in pods. They practice in small groups. Um, they were just very very cautious of of the health and safety 
of the of the team. And Campbell knew in the back of his mind that, that something like that could happen. Well, it did. It showed up on the in a long kick return for a touchdown. It showed in a long punt return for a touchdown for Louisiana. Yeah, it showed right from the start that those guys hadn't played a whole lot of 11 on 11 in practice. And Campbell even admitted that that you know maybe we punted on this game thinking that that down the road it would pay off because we would have we wouldn't have as many problems in the covid department of you know which Iowa state has not they have not so so i guess we could see it coming once once i guess all that makes sense once we found that out but um, there were certainly some iowa state fans who were who were ready to to jump ship after that first game Randy, you and I both watched uh, the, these two teams play, what, two and a half months ago. Uh, Oklahoma yeah. seems like a much different team. Iowa State's just kept on rolling uh, pretty much. Um, you know, what, what do you think this game comes down to uh, on Saturday? Well, I will say that Iowa State is very wary of, of Oklahoma State's ad- or Oklahoma's additions mm-hmm. to the game. Right. Uh, right. A defensive addition and a running back addition, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, they're, very, they're very aware of that. Um, so I think that I think that's that's maybe not where it starts, but that's really high up there. I think where it starts is 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 the um, how the quarterback has progressed, how 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 that that position that has just you know prog- I mean just a kid, yeah, and and how he's how um, um, Rattler has 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 improved since that game. It's you know we think we know that that Brock Purdy's improved, but Man, I don't know if he's improved at that rate. So yeah, I think I think Iowa State players, or I know Iowa State players, are very aware of that. Um, um, from what I see, Oklahoma appears to be play, is playing, continue to play good defense, especially against the rush, giving up 88 yards rushing. Um, I mean, that's a Brees has had that in one play twice in one rush twice. That's right. So right. so I mean, for him to to do that on Saturday will be would be a monumental, but uh, so those are some of the things that, that Iowa State is very is very wary of, and and I don't know whether it's a factor or not. I didn't ask it today, but but I I just wonder if the fact that that Oklahoma has played in that building and Iowa State hasn't. I wonder I wonder if that will have you know an effect for Iowa State. You know, for the first couple possessions of the game, I have no idea, but it's certainly something to watch. Is that something you you've Talk, that Campbell has talked much about. I mean, Oklahoma, if they win, this will be their sixth straight Big 12 title. Uh, there is a huge experience gap in this game here. Yeah. Um, he really hasn't talked a whole lot about that. Because um, um, Campbell takes Campbell is one that takes everything season by season. And, and you know, he knows the, the changing landscape of everything and, and knows the rosters, that rosters change. But I'm, he's not talked about it, but I'm sure he's certainly aware of of, of the tradition. And, uh, um, you know, if he's, and I know he is, and I know they've got Charlie Kohler also who can remind him of that because Kohler being from right there from, from Norman. And he was on a zoom with us today. And Max, you heard him say, I don't know whether you stayed on for Kohler or not, but, um, he's always funny to, to listen to when he's in a good mood. Um, yeah, I asked he, him about the make, uh, doing impressions of Matt Campbell. He was, yeah, awesome. that was it. Yeah. He was, yeah. yeah, he was in a good mood. You <laughs> see? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. Yes, exactly. And and uh, um, and I was as I was transcribing Campbell after the after the Zoom, um, um, 
Um, Charlie was right on. Charlie was right on about his about Campbell's buzzwords and buzz phrases. But uh, um, Kohler did say that that uh, he wasn't recruited by anybody else. That's how he landed at Iowa State. Well, Oklahoma came in late. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, once once Charlie committed to Iowa State, Oklahoma came in and 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 you know made a, a minor pass at him or made a pass at him. But uh, but yeah, Kohler reminds him of of the fact that. Uh, um, that uh, Oklahoma of Oklahoma's tradition and how much a victory would mean for Charlie Kohler. Um, um, because what was it two years ago? Not this year, but last season, last season, Iowa state played at OU. And was it, wasn't that the game where Campbell went for two point conversion? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, And, 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 and I probably shouldn't say this as an Oklahoma beat, right? I know what you're going to say. Motley totally got away with pass interference on that. Play. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, I agree. And just like there may have been a hold on on the 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 the, the last Oklahoma's last yes, play this I, year, a few Oklahomans do believe that. I believe. Ah, yeah. yes, <laughs> Iowa State's Ashim Young intercepted intercepted a pass in the end zone, and and right. uh, um, there's some people thought there was holding on that play, but yeah, exactly. So you know, stuff happens, but uh, yeah, so I think there's a pretty good rivalry going on right now with these teams. Not to put you on the spot here, Randy, but you got you to gotta pick? Are you going to make a pick in the paper this week? What, what are you thinking? Yeah, I'll pick Saturday. And, and right now I'm leaning towards Oklahoma. I just, I just think that Oklahoma has too, has too much going for it. The fact that they played down there before, I think that'll help. Um, um, I, 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 just, I, just, I just think that that's that – that's, I think, I think that, that um, the two additions, the two additions, the quarterback play, the defense, it's all, it's all favoring – Oklahoma and and I know that the with the line started out at seven or down to four or something down like five now. now I think yeah yeah something like that but uh yeah I'm leaning I'm leaning towards that direction but certainly not um you know not by much and heck since it's an 11 o'clock game we might as well have an overtime or two we're not gonna miss any deadlines <laughs> yeah I'd be, yes, that'd, sir. be great. that'd be great Randy I just have one more question for okay. you I wanted to ask about uh, what, what's it like in Ames, Iowa right now? Because that is the, one of the greatest fan bases that I've ever seen, just loyal to a, to a fault. Um, you know, what's it like there? And, and, and it has to kind of stink that, I mean, yeah. they would probably be packing out Jerry world if, if they could. They, yeah, they, they would rock the place out. You're right. Um, but yeah, it does. It does stink. Um, because there, you know, the bars aren't essentially aren't open and, you know, like, fans everywhere. Iowa State fans like to get together and, and congregate and watch games and, 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 you know, do things that fans do that, that you and I don't do before games. Um, so in that respect, it, it, it sucks. But I'm on a Zoom, a weekly Zoom with some Iowa State fans, you know, just to question and answer stuff. They can chime in and ask questions, you know, whatever they want to do. And, and I can tell from that that there's, there's no less enthusiasm this year um, you know, the fact that they can't attend games and or not very many of them can attend games and they, they can't gather, but there's no less enthusiasm um, because it, it's that enthusiasm is still there. And I suspect that if Iowa State should be able to should win the game, I suspect that when that team gets off the gets off the plane in Des Moines on whatever that be early Saturday evening, I suspect there'll be hundreds of or hundred or so Iowa state fans waiting for the bus to get back to the, to the football facility. Um, but, uh, um, Hey, you yeah, saw that it, Alamo it, bowl. It, they, they probably would have had 30, 40,000 in Dallas this weekend. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, they, exactly. I mean, there's yeah, without, without question. Um, I do know that the flight that I'm on, 
um, leaving Friday morning is is totally full. So I and I'm guessing that that there's that's all a lot of that's Iowa State fans. So yeah, they'll be they'll be down there and there'll be fans down there that that won't have tickets. I mean, thinking they'll be tailgating or something, and I have no idea if they'll be tailgating allowed or not. I don't have any clue. But, I actually, uh, don't they'll find a place to con- to um, congregate. I'm sure. <clears throat> Absolutely. Well, uh, well, great, Randy. Thanks so much for for joining us. We we really appreciate your time, and I, I look forward to seeing you on Saturday. Yeah, thanks, Jason. Thanks, Max. Always good. Yeah, to, safe travel, sir. To catch up with you guys. Okay, you you guys be safe. Thank you very very much. Again, thanks to Randy Peterson for for joining us. Randy's a great guy. Uh, one of those one of those guys in Big Twelve media you always love to run into. Always love seeing him in the press box. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, but, but Max, this is going to be a very interesting game, especially with the college football playoff rankings that, that just came out uh, <laughs> last night. Um, this is a top 10 matchup. Yeah, yeah, this is I, – I, it seemed like people are a little salty about uh, Iowa State being number six right now, Jason. Did you, did you pick up on that last night? I would say so. I would say so. And you know what? I, I, I will be the one to defend the Cyclones here. I, I, I maybe six is it's not too their high, fault. The committee I, sucks, right? I mean, come on. See, I don't even want to go that far. With it. They are playing <laughs> like a really good team right now. Um, yeah. Yep. The Louisiana Lafayette loss is terrible, um, but they're playing like a good team. And their only other loss is to a, a pretty good Oklahoma state team in Stillwater. I'm so, not saying they should make the playoff, but I can see how they're ranked where they are. I, I can. Um, so I looked this up. Since they met October 3rd in Ames, uh, Oklahoma is outscoring teams 278 to 123. And Iowa State is outscoring teams 252 to 118. So they've both looked like top 10 teams um, since then. Uh, which is obviously, um, you know, making people who care about the college football playoff mad. Iowa State has been so good that the committee has um, magically forgiven and forgotten week one, uh, which is amazing. And and look, I mean, the season's been so damn long that even my memory of watching that game has uh, has faded with time. Me too. Me too. I barely remember that game. Um I, I barely remember the Oklahoma first Oklahoma Iowa State game. That feels like it was. Yeah, three years I remember. Ago. I remember paying way too much money for the pay per view of that. That was that was a waste of money. Of Oklahoma Iowa State. No, of, I was I was saying of Oklahoma's opener against Missouri oh, State. Okay, okay. I was no, I was saying <laughs> Oklahoma Iowa State game feels to me like it was three years ago. Yeah, it was a it was a long time ago. And, and look, that was a. I, I, what gets me so excited about this one is just how great that game was. I mean, that game really, I think, has aged well. It wasn't. And it didn't come down just to obviously the memorable thing is is Rattler's interception to end it, and you know whether uh, you know you you think they should have thrown tossed a flag on that or not. But you know it really came down to a couple of things. It came down to second half rushing by Brees Hall, um, who ran for 100 yards in the second half. It's it's Oklahoma, um, Iowa State forcing Oklahoma to kick field goals uh, at the end of drives. That's huge whenever you play Oklahoma, and it's you know the big moments in that game were not too big for Purdy and. And hauling the clones, but as we've seen, Jason, it's it's tough to beat Oklahoma once, and it's really really tough to beat them twice. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, uh, it just doesn't happen. And uh, and I and I think one of the interesting th- differences in that game, and this is obviously something that's been talked about and going to be talked about a lot, but it's the truth. They added two of the best players on the roster back to their team. Yeah. Since that game, 
Um, and, and I, you know, I think it's perfectly fair to wonder if they'd had Ramondre Stevenson in that game, would they have settled for all those field goals? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, the defensive line certainly could have benefited from having Ronnie Perkins out there. I mean, um, so this is a different Oklahoma team, but it's not like Iowa State. I, I certainly don't want to don't want to sit here and say that I think this means Oklahoma is going to roll them because of the because of the streak they've been on. I, I think Iowa State is a damn good team, and yeah. uh, and, yeah. and I think they're gonna. I think this is going to be a really good game. It's kind of like last year. The Oklahoma Baylor game. The first one was so close, and there was the big comeback. Um, I feel like the attitude Baylor, going into Baylor the won the half. first half and Oklahoma won the second half in, in that regular yeah. season game last year. Yeah, exactly. But then going into the Big 12 title game, I, I almost feel like there was sort of a sense that maybe Oklahoma was going to just kind of roll them after that. Yeah. And, and that didn't happen at all. That game went into overtime. Oh, I mean, Charlie Brewer got knocked out of that game. He didn't even know where he was. And like they yeah. still threw in a backup and took it to overtime, you know? And yeah. so that was, um, and that was a Baylor team that, was not rolling into that conference title game with a bunch of blowout wins like Iowa State has. Exactly, exactly. So I think, um, you know, the fact that they've both had, you know, one and a half to two weeks to get ready for this game, I think is really interesting because ultimately it is a really fun chess match between on on both sides, right? Between uh, Matt Campbell versus Alex Grinch, two guys are, you know, longtime buddies, Matt guys who – um, are going to bring their best in this one. And then, um, you know, John Haycock has always, always had good answers for Oklahoma um, and, and has put Iowa State in position to, to win these games kind of year after year against them. And so um, I, 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 think it's, I think it's awesome that it ended up like this because I think these teams just do match up really well. And the, the game in Ames was, um, you know, arguably kind of a 50-50 game, could have gone either way. And I'm not saying like the home crowd and all that was the difference, but I think um, – you know, there was certainly some some magic in that stadium that night for Iowa State. And now, you know, Oklahoma, as you've seen, Jason, as we talked about with Randy, Oklahoma's been in that building all the time. They're, they're, none of their guys are going to be shook at all by, you know, playing in a, in a Big 12 title game at, at noon on uh, on Saturday. Yeah, this is a very, very familiar position they're, they're in here. Um, another thing that's interesting to me about this game is how, how Grinch and how Oklahoma – defend Charlie Kohler, Hutchinson, Chase Allen, those guys, those big receivers and tight ends that Iowa State has. They were really a bad matchup problem. They had, uh, you know, Buki Radley-Hiles, who, God love him, is not big, uh, trying to cover Charlie Kohler and, and Chase Allen. That, 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 that doesn't seem to compute. Um, I, th- I think it'll be interesting to see what they do to change that up this time. One interesting person to watch is Robert Barnes, who was mm-hmm. a starting safety for Oklahoma for a couple of years, kind of fell out of favor, got hurt, um, switched to linebacker this offseason. Uh, and, and then in a pinch a couple of weeks ago, they start him at safety because they're missing so many guys. And he played pretty well. And he's a big guy. So I wonder if he might uh, be on the field quite a bit. Well, and, and look, Jason, you've, you've watched enough of these games to know um, one of the huge differences when Iowa State plays Oklahoma and Iowa State knows this and they play to it is, you know, they know they can break tackles against Oklahoma. And that was, that was so huge when they played in October was just the, the second chance stuff, the, the Brees Hall bouncing off the first guy and, and getting extra yardage and stuff. And so it's going to take, I think a really, really sound uh, performance by Oklahoma to, you know, to stop big plays, to not let, you know, a bubble 
you know, stop a bubble that uh, for five yards instead of fifty, right? Like, it's do you, do you think Oklahoma's defense has kind of been building to the kind of performance where they can be, um, you know, really solid and 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 also kind of provide that that pressure on Purdy? I think so. I mean, this is a this is a defense that has played so much better since that Iowa State game uh, in so many ways that they are more sound tacklers. Uh, they really have been. They've been um, they, they've gotten a lot more takeaways. I mean, that was a real problem last season and early this season. That's gotten a lot better. Um, they seem to find their way to the ball a little bit more than they were before. And again, they got Ronnie Perkins back, who who's, you know, if he'd play the whole season, he might be the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year and might even be an All-American. I mean, the numbers he's been putting up in just a few games have been yeah. pretty wild. So, um, so yeah, I, I do think they're a substantially improved defense, but I, I also don't know for sure that that's going to mean that they're going to stop Brees Hall and Charlie Kohler and, and Brock Purdy. I, I, I just... I still think it's a little bit of a matchup issue for them with those big receivers. Yeah, I think on the Iowa State side of it, I think, um, and you, you, I think back to the way K State um, won against Oklahoma earlier this year. You have to be able to kind of withstand the run in the first quarter, of the second quarter, where Oklahoma starts hot, puts puts up a lot of points. Spencer Rattler looks like one of the best quarterbacks in the country, and you have to you have to kind of hang in there. And kind of take those punches and and be able to play a really physical second half, and that's I think that was the difference last time in Ames. And I think, um, you know, it, it's Oklahoma. I think is going to come in with a ton of confidence and, and score a lot of points. And I think I've heard Bruce Hall say since that Oklahoma game that they knew, hey, we're going to keep pounding the pounding the run here because we think this is going to pop in the second half. And so that's what Iowa State's going to do. They're going to establish what they want to do in the first half, and they're probably going to fall behind. I would imagine a little bit. And so you can't dig too big of a hole. You can't, you know, throw throw this Oklahoma defense a pick six and make it worse or whatever. But um, you got to be able to kind of hang in there through the scoring run at first and 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 be the better team in the second half. Which I think we saw um, in, in in some of the ways. I you know Iowa State played a game like that against Baylor, right? Where Baylor was so much better than them early on, and they rallied and took over the game. Um, they were the better team at the end of the Texas game, obviously. So. I think Iowa State's capable of that, but it, it's just it's really tricky with Oklahoma. Every possession kind of counts when they can score as, as easily as they do. Well, the game you just described that they need to play is the game they played last year in Norman. I mean, Oklahoma was up yeah. thirty-five to fourteen at halftime of that right. game, and it went to overtime. And so, then, and yeah. then, and then Hertz throws a pick, and you're like, "Ooh, this is this is turning," you know? Philadelphia Eagles starting quarterback Jalen Hurts. You mean? That's that's yeah. correct. The same one. Yeah. Um, well, Max, you want to make picks? Yeah, let's do it, man. I'm ready for picks. Um, to update uh, where we're at now, um, you and I both went one and one last week. I was wrong about TCU and because uh, they blew out Louisiana Tech, and you were wrong about Baylor uh, because I they was. got blown out by Oklahoma State. So now the season was, record. I, go ahead. I was very, uh, I was very moved by their performance the week before it in Norman, I guess. And I, yeah. Uh, and I, I saw an Oklahoma state team that seemed to be falling apart and you know, what the heck do I know? Jeez. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Um, so I'm now 25 and 19. That's not where I want it to be. And you are 18 and 26, which is, uh, you know, uh, not where you want it to be. Um, so big, big pick here. Do we want to put like extra points on this? Do you want to say, if you get this right, you know, it's worth, worth three wins or something like that. It's pretty important. It is, but it doesn't make a difference uh, in the standings if we both pick the same thing. So oh, that's I mean, true. I mean, we can do whatever you want. 
adding three games one way or another doesn't mean anything if we pick the same thing. <laughs> That's true. I'm trying to catch up here. Well, are we are we on opposite sides of this? I have no idea. Let's find out. All right. Then we'll decide picking? if it's worth extra. I'm picking Oklahoma. Um, I, I think that I, I do think they're a much improved team uh, than they were on October 3rd. Uh, with the addition of the two guys that they've gotten back with the the streak that they're on the the Baylor game and that sort of weak offensive performance notwithstanding I still think this is a much better team and 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 I think they are the better team once uh, you know on on this neutral field and I add in the fact that they've been there before so many times this is new for Iowa State and I do as we talked about on the Randy Peterson during the Randy Peterson interview I hate that Iowa State fans won't get to pack Jerry World out. Oh, yeah. This just sucks so bad for that great fan base that this had to be the year they made it. I feel really bad for them, but um, I'm taking the Sooners uh, reluctantly because I still think Iowa State can win. I guess we should have mentioned to start, we're we're pretty sure it is going to be Oklahoma versus Iowa State in this game. Uh, The Big 12 set up a policy where, you know, Texas or Oklahoma State – could replace them uh, if one of them can't play. I'm I'm pretty sure they're going to play this game. Um, it would so. be uh, – I, I sure hope we're not recording a podcast and then an hour from now it's suddenly Iowa State is playing Oklahoma State. But, hey, we'll press on. Um, I, I'm pretty torn. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take Iowa State plus five and a half. And I think Oklahoma will win. Okay. That's that's yeah. how I'm feeling right now. I think yeah. it is, you know, it could be a field goal game. It really could. Because um, I just think both of these teams can kind of withstand the punches and hang around to the fourth quarter and play a really great game. And and the fact that, you know, Oklahoma pulled away uh, late against Texas in, in 18. Uh, they win in overtime last year. They blew out TCU in 17. But these kind of have traditionally been closer games. And so mm-hmm. – um, I kind of I I just think this is going to be a thriller. I think I think they're pretty evenly matched teams. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Oklahoma won, and and you know kind of they got their revenge uh, from that loss. But um, I <laughs> I think it's gonna be awesome. I, I'm really I'm really excited to see it. I know you're gonna be covering it. Um, and uh, it, it is gonna feel weird. Uh, certainly, um, that 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 those you know Jerry World's not packed with uh, a lot of people wearing red and yellow, I guess. Um, but <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I'm going to take Oklahoma to win. And I think Iowa state covers. Okay. Well, that's a good pick and we are on opposite sides. So, uh, you know, if you want to make it worth more now, I'm okay with it. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll say it's worth three wins. We'll say that. Okay. I mean, it is the championship game, you know? Yeah. It's the, it's the Catalina wine mixer. It's a big deal. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Max. As always, good to be with you. And thanks so much to all of you for listening uh, and, and listening every week this season. Please subscribe to our show, One True Pod, on Apple or Spotify. Leave us a review and a good rating and find our stories on The Athletic. If you're not yet a subscriber to The Athletic, you can sign up with our latest promotional offer at theathletic.com slash Pod. You don't just get the best college football coverage, you get all our sports coverage. So be sure to take advantage and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.